We're all over this great country of ours for this edition of the podcast. We'll head over to Perth to the Art Gallery of Western Australia to have a talk with Robert Cook about an Andrew Nichols exhibition he's got running at the moment over there. We'll talk to Gary Wall about what might be the smallest art gallery in northern New South Wales. He's actually got that set up in a post office. And Landscapes of the Soul, an exhibition of Arthur Boyd's work, that's currently touring the country. And we'll have a chat with Judith Blackall at the National Art School, which is the first stop on that Arthur Boyd tour. I'm Tim Stackpole, and this is Inside the Gallery. So, with so many places to visit and people to talk to, the only way I can work out where to go is by pulling out the old prize wheel and giving it a bit of a spin. Now, it's been sitting in the corner of this production studio since the radio days. Now, it's been relegated to dear old podcasts. And it doesn't have a sponsor. It hasn't had a sponsor since the Galaxy Pay TV days. I've actually just peeled the sticker off the centre of the prize wheel. Just about to give it a spin and we'll see where we're going to end up first. And the winner is... Western Australia, let's catch up with Robert Cook. He's the Curator of Contemporary Design and International Art at the Art Gallery of Western Australia, currently showing some work by Andrew Nichols. It's quite the varied mix of Andrew's work. Don't forget, there is an artist talk. It's free. It's on Sunday the 9th of March at 11 o'clock over there at the Art Gallery of Western Australia. But for now, Robert, thanks so much for joining us on the Inside the Gallery podcast. Oh, thanks so much, Tim. Thanks for having me. Now, this piece by Andrew Nichols, there's a lot to it. First of all, can you describe the exhibition a bit for us? Wow. So I guess what you ha- you know, it's in our, uh, call it our WA Now space, and it's got kind of uh, ceilings that are, or walls that are rather like about six metres high, mm-hmm. but they're kind of like 14 metres across the longest one. So we call it like a big small space or a small big space. So we've painted it out in this beautiful kind of mid-blue colour. And you go in, there's a kind of a modesty wall at the front because there's a bit of nudity in the show. And you go in and it's like, oh, it's like stepping into this, you know, kind of other world in a weird way that's kind of like part kind of 18th, 19th century and mm. part very, very contemporary. So it's got this lovely enveloping feel. And the first thing you would see, I guess, um, when you're in the space itself is this wonderful series of works he did called The Attitudes uh, with his uh, muse and friend and fellow artist, David Charles Collins, posing in various places on the Grand Tour. And they're circled by these wonderful porcelain bones and skulls that Andrew's made. So you kind of feel like you're walking into kind of like a mausoleum or something and some wonderful drawings on the walls and a beautiful uh, art bank commission he did, incredibly detailed, and some other photographs on the side and another very long drawing, uh, about four metres or so, and some showcases with some incredible uh, kind of busts and bars he made. So it's like a, it's a whole experience, but there's a whole bunch of other other kind of, I guess, resonances happening in, in each of the pieces. Mm. And, you know, the experience is very kind of haptic and physical, but it's also a very intellectual show and very historically um, considered, I guess. The Grand Tour, let's just cover that off, was this thing that people in the 18th century did as part of their finishing school, I guess, those who had the money to do it. That's right, from England, and kind of unleashed onto Europe to kind of take in the, you know, the sights and, uh, you know, to get the the kind of the European education, Mm. I guess. And Andrew is kind of reflecting that in this work, is that right? 
Yeah, I mean, he set himself up as a Latter-day Grand Tourist, so he's visited all of the places, but he was interested in deconstructing the kind of high-mindedness of it. So if the tour was about finishing your education, it was also about undermining it as well right. and allowing a whole other aspect of your personality, you know, based on your privilege, obviously, to kind of come to the surface. So, um, you know, one of the things is kind of like spring break or something as well. Mm. When you're curating something like this, there's so many different elements to his work. The drawings you talked about, photographs, porcelain as well. Is it like pushing the supermarket trolley down the aisle and saying, I'll have one of those, one of those, one of those? How do you go no, about it with really. an artist like uh, this? <laughs> I would call myself a coordinating curator on right. this. So Andrew is an incredibly accomplished and experienced curator and uh -huh. an artist in his own right. So he's done a whole bunch of very important group shows uh, around the world, and he has done a... Uh, a major show for us on Wembley where uh, here at the gallery a bunch of years back and he works at Form as well so he's incredibly on top of how works speak to each other so right. basically uh, my job was to facilitate his expression and to make it as uh, accessible for our public and to make sure his vision happened so we had some conversations about this and that but Andrew very much had the project in mind and constructed it as an installation. So there was a sense of, you know, making sure there was enough of this and enough of that and the kind of the, the pacing and the balance was right. But, you know, in a sense, it was very easy. And he had this body of work in his mind for like five years or so. So for him, it was a lot of uh, kind of customizing it to fit this space and to kind of figure out, well, he's got the vision of this. How does that translate to, you know, the real world? Part of it he makes mention of this thing called hyperculturemia. Have I got that right? I think it's hyperculturemia, but I'm Remia. the worst at pronouncing it. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. But it's a thing which is often called Florence syndrome, where you get this uh, psychological reaction to being exposed to things of great personal experience or, or art sometimes. I get that feeling when I go into Bunnings. You're just completely yeah. overwhelmed by it. Or, yeah. or um, that other place that sells all that fabric. What's it called? Spotlight. You go to Spotlight. those places. So I think it's a similar sort of thing for, for an ordinary person like me. But also there are pictures of himself in this exhibition. And I'm not seeing this as a narcissistic type of reflection. But what is it with him putting himself in some of these pictures? Well, he's kind of sending himself up. As a, as a grand tourist in a weird way. So he's like, he's performing that sense of, you know, being on the ground, uh, on the marble floor after kind of experiencing a wonderful sculpture or, mm. uh, or what have you, or, you know, need to faint, I guess. So you could say that on one level, there's like a kind of an ironic take on it. And it's kind of like, well, as if that would happen now, because we're, you know, apparently more sophisticated yeah. or what have you. And we would um, contain our emotions. And also kind of art itself is uh, kind of a touristic kind of activity now in a kind of weird way. But also my sense is that he is kind of re-experiencing at the same time and thinking, wow, wouldn't that be great to have like been laid flat on the marble after seeing this incredible mm. sculpture. Mm. And so there's like a physical working your way back into the past. And that kind of Stendhal syndrome or Florence syndrome is you know, fictional, I guess. You know, you could imagine once it was reported, people kind of putting it on. Right. And that would be my sense most of the time. That's like a status symbol in a weird way. It's like, oh, my God, I fainted in front of, you know, the last judgment or something or underneath the last judgment. But when you were saying that thing about Bunnings and Spotlight, it says, <laughs> 
thinking, yeah, I've actually had that too with two different things. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's like, I shouldn't be so cynical. And I've heard you talk before about seeing people stand back from a piece of art and you can you can see how it begins to move them, not necessarily physically, but you see the wheels turning in their head. Yeah, Is that sort true. of thing happening? Are you seeing that with people visiting Andrew Nichols' work that you're showing? Yeah, I am. Uh, but it's two things, right? Like some of it's very... Uh, you know, full frontal nudity. And yeah. so it's very much like even that act kind of pushes you back, especially mm. these days, you know. It's like, oh, should I be looking at this? Like there's that questioning and doubting yourself. So people are more on guard with this show than they would be in other shows, I think. I mean, you do have that warning at the start. I think it's yeah, on the website yeah. as well that there is frontal That's nudity right. in it. But it's like, you know, you don't want to be seen to be perving, I guess. No one's worried about perving on a Roscoe. But you'd be worried yeah. about seeing perving on one of Andrew's pictures because okay. that sense that you've really dropped your guard. So it's kind of different in a weird way. But there's that beautiful Last Judgment piece that he did for Art Bank, and um, he's got a bunch of the kind of West Australian art world people in it, and it's very finely drawn. And you're finding people kind of really losing themselves in that. Mm. Uh, it's really um, it's a totally different feeling. So you're getting that kind of that sense of permission to get lost in something. And then that sense of like questioning, should I really be looking at this? Was there a piece that you wanted to include that Andrew perhaps didn't necessarily want to have on show? No, I don't think so. Great. I'm really excited that we were able to produce or kind of facilitate Andrew to produce this uh, show, which has perhaps been his most ambitious ever. And we've got a very mature gallery who are very interested in how the public perceive work. So the kind of the interpretive framework around that was, uh, I think, really appropriate and um, allowing people to engage with it on multiple levels. So, yeah, I, I'm kind of really, really excited about it. And I'm excited that we can do uh, kind of very ambitious shows uh, for West Australian practitioners mm. too. Mm. Now, you, you mentioned that, and I was going to lead into that, just departing from this actual exhibition. Yeah. You're working in what is an isolated city. You're at the sure. southwestern tip of Australia, servicing yeah. a state which is almost half the size of this country. That's right. How challenging is that for you, considering that you have experience in other places? What, what, are, the, yeah. what are the difficulties that you've found, if any, working in a modern first world capital city that is isolated, let's face it, are there any points of pain that hurt the most, maybe? <laughs> that hurt the most. It's like hurt and it's also great. Yeah. It's like you would see like openings happening and it's like, you know, in Sydney or wherever and it's like, oh, I wish I was there. Mm. And then at the same time, it's like such a relief not to go to everything uh, all the time and, uh, you know, be accused of not being visible enough or something yeah. like that as a curator because you're always spread too thin. So mm. it's kind of nice to have a buffer from that. It's nice to have space to think and breathe and yeah. not be overstimulated. And I guess that's obviously the flip side is that you've got to travel, you know, within Australia, across the country or, mm. or wherever or up to the north to get like a feel. And when you're there, you're kind of really gorging on things. You know, like there's just like, it's just you go and you fill up. Yeah. And so that's the thing. But we've got a bunch of younger artists who are traveling around a lot 
and um, showing in smaller spaces. So there is a sense of this other shadow scene happening now that uh, is quite interesting and intriguing. So that kind of freshness is, is kind of coming through, I guess. Well, look, it sounds like a terrific place to work, uh, but yeah. also the exhibition that you're talking about, we've just spoken about with Andrew yeah. Nichols' work, it sounds very exciting as well. For anyone who is travelling throughout Western Australia or Perth, it is a must-see. And, Robert, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, Tim. It was a great pleasure. Cheers. Time for one more spin of the prize wheel. Of course, the Inside the Gallery podcast prize wheel doesn't have a sponsor. Looking for a sponsor? If you'd want to be a sponsor of the Inside the Gallery podcast prize wheel, I'll put your sticker in the middle of it there. We'll give it a spin every podcast. But two destinations to choose from now, of course, there is Ukai up in northern New South Wales, or we can head to Sydney. Let's give it a spin. And we've landed on Sydney and Arthur Boyd's Landscape of the Soul, a Bundan on Trust touring exhibition, is currently showing at the National Art School Gallery in Sydney's Darlinghurst. It's curated by Barry Pearce, but Judith Blackall from the gallery is on the line with us now. Judith, thanks for your time. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, there's more than 70 pieces of Arthur's work at the gallery in this show. You must be particularly proud to be the first stop on the tour. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's a beautiful a launch of this important national tour. But in our gallery here in Sydney, it really, the, the works look exquisite. We, we've got quite large spaces, tall, soaring ceilings, and, and so the works look, look great. And one of the very interesting things about this exhibition, Landscape of the Soul, so Barry Pierce, who knows Arthur Boyd well, he curated Arthur's show in 1993 at the Art Gallery in South Wales. And mm. so they had quite a close relationship. They got to know one and respect one another quite deeply. And so with this exhibition, it's not a retrospective by a long shot. It's quite a very carefully selected exhibition where Barry really does go beneath the surface and into the, into the heart of the artist by selecting works from his childhood, also his parents and his grandparents. Mm. As we all know, Arthur comes from a very, very creative and unusual artistic family. And yeah. uh, so Barry has explored that and brought that out. And, and, and what's wonderful about it, it's not an easy show. I don't think Arthur's works, well, particularly the ones that he's famous for, like the Nebuchadnezzar series, are easy. I find them quite challenging. And Barry helps us to understand what was going on with Arthur in his mind and in his heart and uh, and in his approach. Barry described Arthur as a magnificent pessimist and feels like a sort of a conflict of ideas. But yes. I think Arthur was quite conflicted and he was um, quite anxious a lot of the time. He, he suffered really in his soul for the state of humanity and the state of the world, the state of the environment. And all of this came through in his works. And he was quite generous too. I mean, in his will, he left pretty much everything to the people yes, of Australia. He did, yes. Now, he's, he was extraordinarily generous. And that was part of his approach to life. He felt we, no one owns anything in this life. We're just taking care of it for future generations. And... Uh, so it was, a, it was a really an extraordinary gift. It wasn't just the properties down there on this lovely stretch of uh, Shoalhaven. It was also you know, a huge art collection, but a lot of letters and furniture and, and just a whole great gift in the, in the big sense. 
I was wondering why you think Arthur Boyd's work is so enduring. We see a lot of shows of his, mm. and yet he died in 1999, if I recall, if that's correct. Mm. Um, and, and this whole different aspect that you're talking about, what Barry Pierce is bringing out in this exhibit, is that what makes his work so enduring? Is that why we should revisit it so often? Mm. I think Arthur's work has a deep humanity and poetry. He He worked a lot with poets and writers and loved music, so... There's a lot of other creative essences, I suppose, lyrical essences in his work. And so it is poetic. So those kinds of investigations, I think, are the the enduring qualities of great art. Even considering what you've said, do we see the entire arc of Arthur's work in this exhibition? The the early days dealing with all the light and the later days dealing with pretty much what was going on around the Shoalhaven at the time, those those landscapes. Do we see that whole arc of life in your exhibition? We we see an arc, definitely. There is certainly a a, a, a journey that can be traced, uh, a lineage. Um, I wouldn't say, and I'm, I'm sure Barry would agree, that it's comprehensive of a, as, a, as a retrospective would be. We have yeah. fragments, um, selected fragments, selected instances from Arthur's career that um, that Barry has, has made, and most of them have come from the collections of the Bundanon Trust, so it's also what's available. So it's a good selection, though, a very good selection, and I think, I think Barry's also had a lot of fun going into the storage of Bundanon. And the other nice thing about exhibitions and new looks at an artist's work is that it brings perhaps forgotten works to the to the fore, back into the light, so to speak. There's a there's a salon hang in the exhibition of early works by Arthur. You know, they're full of their landscapes, full of joy and colour and light and optimism, and um, they're they're like a really lovely allegro. And then, as the exhibition goes on, the works get more troubled, and the anxiety yeah. and the yeah. darkness enters. And uh, and then it lightens up again towards the end of his life with the uh, Shoalhaven landscape. Yes. And it's very important, I guess, to remind everybody that a lot of this collection, as you're saying, would pretty much only be seen on the property at Bundanon. And this touring show gives everyone the opportunity, I guess, to see the show as it comes to them, which is lovely. We don't have to take the trip to do so. Are you allowed to have a favourite piece? Ah, that's a good question. Um, I'm probably allowed to have a favourite piece. and. The thing about having an exhibition like this really in your midst is you end up spending a lot of time thinking about it and and also learning. We in the art world are always learning. That's one of the wonderful things about about having a passion like art. Mm. And so you might start out with a preferred piece, but then you start to look each time you go through the gallery just checking on things or taking someone through or a group, you see things differently. And, and I knew Arthur quite well in that when I was a young, uh, I actually trained as an artist, wouldn't say a very good one, but Arthur very generously offered me an opportunity to go to, um, to, go to stay. He had a, a residence in Italy, in Tuscany. And wow. he often invited young artists go and stay there. And when he heard I was sort of studying sculpture, it wasn't so far from the Carrara Marble Mine. So he invited, you know, he's 
he said maybe he was just being generous off the cuff, said, well, you, you should go and stay in Italy. And I thought, oh, that's a good idea. Yes. Can I, let's, let's turn it into, a, into an artist in residence for Australian artists through the Australia Council. And so after probably you know, about a year, the, the property became an, an artist in residence studio for Australian artists. And I went in Tuscany? To, in Tuscany, yes. Wow. And I, it was called Il Parataio. And uh, a lot of um, Australian artists came through there with the Australia Council residencies. They'd stay for three months at a time, and it was big enough to have a couple of artists. Sometimes writers would come through. And so they just paint and or walk in the landscape or make their sculptures or whatever. But it was a really great opportunity. It went for eight years. And so I had quite a lot to do with Arthur and Yvonne and the Boyd family in those years. I personally feel greatly indebted to Arthur and Yvonne and the Boyd family for this fabulous opportunity because it put me on a different direction. It's an amazing experience for you and many of the other artists that it opened uh, the world up to. Hmm. But when you're walking through the gallery now, I mean, how do you reflect on knowing Arthur yourself? I mean, does it well up terrific emotions for you, knowing him so well and considering what he did for you? And then you walk through the gallery and there's all this reflection that you must be experiencing as you walk past his work. I do. You're absolutely right. Yes, it is quite a powerful experience for me. The exhibition has lots of pictures of Arthur. so. So we have his image on the wall much larger than life, and uh, so they're very powerful too. But it's, you can see the gentility and, and also mixed with the anxiety. You know, there was a troubled look in his bearing and on his face when the photos were taken. So it's very, very intense and passionate. Well, it sounds terrific, Judith. Now, how long is the exhibition running where you are? It's um, on at the National Art School Gallery until Saturday, 9th of March. The galleries open Monday to Saturday, 11 till 5. Worth coming and spending some time with the works, but also there are very, very good extended texts on the walls Barry has written and, and the team from Bandanon. And so you do get a really good introduction and insight into the exhibition and into Arthur's work. And you were actually just talking about the space that the artwork is in. And there's yeah. a bit of a history too, because you're in the Darlinghurst Jail, aren't you? True. Yes, you are. In the... Mansell Block, a lovely building, a lovely place for art because one of the few galleries in Sydney where that's been a successful historical use of a previous building, but also it has very tall uh, walls and beautifully proportioned and a lovely warm floor, so it's a good place for showing art. Judith Blackall, thanks very much. Thank you, you're welcome. Look forward to seeing you in the gallery. And yes, as you heard, the exhibition is running in Sydney at the old Darlinghurst Jail through until the 9th of March, so a bit of time to get over there and have a look. And Landscape of the Soul continues its tour after that. It heads up to Queensland, the Ipswich Art Gallery, and then to Shepparton in Victoria, back up to Cairns. Port Macquarie's in there as well, Mwilumbar, Katoomba, that's in March in 2021. And then Lake Macquarie Art Gallery, finally, in September 2021. So keep an eye on the various websites as to when this exhibition is coming to your town or just head to bundanon.com.au. No need to spin the podcast prize wheel this time because there's just one destination remaining which gives us the chance to talk about diversity in business because that's what keeps many galleries underway. There's always the gallery cafe, of course, and there's the museum shop and often paid exhibits too. 
And for one small gallery in northern New South Wales, perhaps the tiniest gallery in the state, there's a post office too. And the town of Yukai apparently now boasts the hippest gallery in Australia, well, according to some anyway. And it's all thanks to Gary Wall, who joins us from his post office slash cafe slash art gallery slash community meeting point. Gary, you've created quite the hub in your own little town, haven't you? Uh, thanks, Tim. Yeah, certainly have. It's been a, it's been an amazing journey for the last 16 months, and uh, which sort of seemed like about 16 years at the moment. But in a good way, it, it actually it feels as if some days I actually don't even work a day. So as they say, if you love the job that you do, you never work a day in your life. Exactly. And that's what I feel with, with bringing over to diversify the business from a post office, but into a coffee roastery, into, into artwork, and also creating that original hub, which is the post office from back in the old days. Now, let's go back a bit because you used to work in the media. And for the sake of transparency, you and I, more than 10 years ago, used to share an office. And I recall you were quite the socialite. You were doing some modeling as well. You had an agent. You were appearing in magazines. You were enjoying the bright lights of the big city. How on earth did you end up in the little town of Yukai? Well, funnily enough, Tim, uh, my role um, after I left um, uh, TV Center, I went on to another role with Foxtel, and then that role was actually made redundant. That how it happened in October of 2013. And I had purchased some properties in Wagga Wagga and um, some investments that they were doing okay. And and after redundancy, I was thinking, well, where do I need, need to go to next? And a role came up in Papua New Guinea, and um, it was, it was, I was managing some of the digital assets up there with Digicel. And that role lasted six months, and I was offered to, to renew knew my contract. I said, absolutely not. It's one of the craziest, dangerous places in the world. <laughs> and uh, came back down to Cairns. I'd always wanted to study the MBA to really get out there and have a 360-degree view on, on life. So not only gave me the chance to get into the theory of it all, but also the, the, the practical um, uh, parts of, of a business. Studying full-time, I ended up getting a job selling coffee machines at Harvey Norman. And that spurred the whole love of retail and the whole love of coffee. And the, one of the opportunities uh, when I finished the MBA came up in, in UK, actually. And I sort of said to a joke to a friend in Sydney, and I said, oh, my God, I could buy, buy this place and send me retire. Certainly now working nearly 70 hours a week, it's certainly not semi-retiring, but it's given me the opportunity, the freedom to actually reach some important parts of of the world being in, in, in the Tweed Valley, but more so having such a, an impact and such a, an opportunity to touch so many lives in a rural setting. So that was the Yukai Post Office. Yeah, so you bought the Yukai Post Office and you can actually see, if you go to Google Street View, you can see the changes you've made because the, the most recent photo on Google Street View is obviously prior to your purchase and it looks pretty run down, I have to say. And then looking at the photos of it today, you've done a great job in tarting it up and you've done some transitions to the interior as well. So you took on the postmaster's role you put in the coffee shop, but how did the art gallery side of it come about? I always had a love uh, and appreciation of art, but I really didn't know much about it. A week before I took over uh, the post office, um, there was a, there was images of Yukite, which is a, it's a festival on every year in September, and it's to really celebrate the local artists in town. And one particular artist stood out to me. Her name is Susan Keneally. And, and and today she's actually our art curator and has been since since we started. She's your she's art curator. Artist. Yeah, she's our art curator. Yes, yeah, Susan Keneally, and she's an incredible artist. I've actually where I'm currently sitting at the moment in the roastery, I've got two of her paintings, and um, also another um, another painting by another artist. And uh, Susan's exhibition is coming up in May, 
uh, this year, which we were all very excited about. So Sue and Keneally and I said, Sue, let's go for coffee. Let's have a bit of a chat. I said, listen, I want to learn more about art. And when I start the restoration project in the post office, I think we could have an art gallery. And as reported in the Byron Arts magazine, uh, this this current edition at the moment we're featured, and it, it actually says or quotes me in there saying, "Sue at the start thought I was crazy," and I have to say a lot. I think I can I can't blame her mm. because setting up a, an art gallery uh, in 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 such a bizarre place such as the post office, uh, you know, I think sometimes you can sort of say you're set up to fail. But that wasn't the case at all. We kick-started this. I um, put a lot of investment into into the project, uh, got the right people on board, got a great publicist, and um, certainly we are hitting um, goals that we never thought we would actually achieve. Um, something else that's in the Byron Arts magazine, uh, it outlines that, uh, you know, we for our first exhibition with Matt Otley, Matt Otley is quite a famous um, illustrator and artist mm-hmm. and actually an incredible musician. He just lives up the road here. He, we we kick-started off with, with Matt and we thought, okay, you know, 20 people probably turn up, so I purchased 20 glasses from, from Target Country and um, I didn't have the funds back then for Riddell glasses. So anyway, <laughs> got into the Target Country and all of a sudden we had 150 people turn up. Wow. And it was incredible. Uh, and again, I think it goes back to that. Um, one of my, my old mentors said, you know, Gary, without risk, there's no reward. Yeah. And certainly this has been an over half a million dollar risk buying a post office in the, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It's a beautiful, beautiful area, uh, but more so investing in, in a post office, which uh, if you look on the IBIS world, which is a research database, it'll actually tell you that you know, post office themselves, um, you know, aren't great money earners mm. and um, certainly there there isn't much future in post office themselves but my plan was always to diversify diversify within a wonderful little art gallery and bastion lane espresso which is our art uh, which is our coffee brand which will be launching next month so you're positioned somewhere between the gold coast and nimbin right is that where you are that's correct yes yeah only 40 minutes from byron okay so a lovely little town in terms of the artists, you're turning over, what, every six weeks or so, you're, you're hanging new art? That's correct, yeah. So we've got a um, schedule, a busy schedule this year up to including November this year. So we're full up and we're starting to take applications wow. soon uh, for the next round. So every six weeks we have it's sort of like a red carpet gala event. I bought a beautiful red carpet. <laughs> we, we supply the wine, we supply the cheer. So this wow. post office, folks, is only about 100 and. 40 squares that's tiny compared to some of the bigger gpos in sydney and so forth so and then we actually co-sponsor an event which is picnic in the park and this is all about the whole art project is really build community build engagement uh, and build um build some sort of um uh, you know an attraction every six weeks for people in the in the, in the country to go to because it's not like the city you know the city there's always something happening in the country You've got the pub, you've got the fuel station, that's about it. Mm. But now in UK, you've got Art Post UK, which is um, pretty exciting. Mm. So you must be doing the right thing. Art Post is what you're calling it. That's right. I've got that right? Yes. Okay. So artpostuk.com. Okay. Now, the the reason why your schedule is so full, you're, you're packed until November, is because the turnover of the art in terms of the dollar value has actually been quite good for the artists. Oh, yeah. So the turnover for the artists... We're looking at um, over eleven thousand dollars, and that's just that we just hit our ninth show as of last night, and it's it's amazing because to think back what I said about before, like exhibiting in a tiny little post office, we didn't think this thing would work. Uh, You know, I'd spent quite a bit of money on um, you know getting getting the branding right, publicity, and so forth, and all of a sudden it's just taken off, and it's amazing. It's 
it's you know it's as if something like this was always needed here mm. but just needed someone to activate it mm. and i think that's what we've done with my wonderful art post team so we've got sue keneally we've got diane michaels our publicist and for you long term now you're from wagga you were very successful in the city you've gone back to the country now is this home for you now or is this your investment that you want to sell at some point well, it's funny, Tim. Someone asked me that the other day, and I was like, you know what? This is my superannuation plan because mm-hmm. I think there's so much potential here. And uh, being that we're 40 minutes from Byron Bay, we're 35 minutes from the Coolangatta Airport, and this this place has this particular business has got it all. Uh, the actual the block when I bought the property, it's a commercial property, um, and it's completely freehold. And being a heritage-listed building as well, you've got access to grants. So I'm actually in the midst of applying for a grant to relocate the post office boxes. So if anyone looks online, you currently see that there's big post office boxes in the front. They're in the windows, yes. So, yeah, the DA application is a massive process because I've had an architect to to help me with this process. The next DA going at the moment, 77 pages long, 11 11 um, pages of architectural plans as well. So it's a pretty massive process, but we'll get there. Yeah, well, certainly if anyone is travelling through Yukai or is heading to Nimbin, then it's worth the detour to have a look at Gary's Post Office Coffee Shop come Art Gallery because he's done a great job there. And as I say, he's added to the community something fierce. He's doing great stuff for the local artists as well. And Gary, we really appreciate your time on the podcast. Thanks, Tim. And just before we wrap up, here's a rundown on what's going on around the country. In Sydney, the Art Pass will get you into the Goldblatt Photographic Exhibition at the MCA and the Hermitage Collection at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. Both close on March the 3rd, so get moving if you haven't been. The Goldblatt Exhibition has more than 300 of David's images and there's an 80-minute feature documentary included which really gives perspective to the images, so be sure to give yourself plenty of time. The Hermitage Collection is absolutely beautiful with works by Monet, Cezanne, Matisse, Picasso, Gauguin and many other modern masters. If you are unlikely ever to make it to St Petersburg, don't miss it. If you start early enough, you can visit both in a single day. But remember, the MCA and the Art Gallery of New South Wales both stay open late on Wednesdays, so that might be worth taking into account. In Melbourne, the NGV is featuring more than 160 prints and drawings by Dutch artist MC Escher, Presented quite uniquely by Japanese design studio Nendo, and that runs through until April. Looking a bit ahead to Adelaide in March, and I'm mentioning this early because it's so unique, a series of sound-emitting soft sculptures inspired by the studios of psychoanalyst Anna Freud. The work, it's called Guardians, created by Taryn Gill after a residency at the Freud Museum in London. That opens at the end of March till early May. It's worth a Jetstar flight, I think, if you're from out of town. In Perth, the Art Gallery of Western Australia is featuring, as we heard earlier, Andrew Nichols' solo exhibition. It showcases his recent Hypercultural Amir series. That's through until April 15. And at the top end, Magnet has an exhibition featuring live spiders. It's actually a touring exhibition from the Australian Museum and Questicon. And along with live spiders, there's nearly 200 additional specimens. It might be a way to cure your arachnophobia or make it worse. I don't know which. That's until April 28. Canberra's galleries and museums are as fabulous as ever. And in Brisbane at the Institute of Modern Art there in Fortitude Valley, it's featuring Dale Harding from February. 
Check all the gallery's websites for details and if you are visiting from interstate anywhere, there's always something most compelling underway at galleries around the country, so make sure to check online while travelling to uncover a few surprises away from the regular tourist haunts. That's the podcast for now. Thanks for downloading. Be sure to follow and share and we'll always keep updating inside the gallery's Facebook page with exhibitions and other stuff that excites us. I'm Tim Stackpole and please do remember when you're in the gallery, remove your backpack, okay? Bye-bye for now.